Hello and welcome to this event, uh, which is hosted by LISI, the LSE Research Unit on Southeast Europe here at the London School of Economics. Uh, the event is uh, part of LSE's Shaping the Post-COVID World Initiative, a series uh, imagining what the world would, could look like after the crisis and how we get uh, there. Now, our topic today is central bank policies in emerging uh, economies. Uh, the COVID pandemic has necessitated uh, a massive policy response, uh, and both governments, but also central banks, uh, have worked closely unleashing counter-cyclical policies of unprecedented scale and speed in the last couple uh, of years. Uh, for the first time in modern economic history, this didn't only concern the advanced uh, economies, uh, the advanced countries, but also emerging markets. So the question arises, uh, how have central banks in small open uh, emerging markets uh, achieved uh, the successes that they have uh, achieved? What policy toolkits they have used, but also what have been the spillovers from uh, advanced country policies, including the currency shops from the Federal Reserve and, of course, the European uh, Central Bank. And more importantly, how will an eventual po policy tightening uh, work in emerging uh, markets? Uh, the lecture that we have uh, today by economist and governor of the Bank of Albania, uh, Dr. Gen Seiko, uh, will examine these questions focusing on the small open economies in Southeastern Europe, which is the focus also of LISI, our research unit, who is hosting uh, the lecture. Uh, Dr. Gen Seiko, uh, as I said, is the governor of the Bank of Albania. He's also chairman of its uh, supervisory council since 2015. He holds uh, an undergraduate degree from the Faculty of Economics at the University uh, of Tirana and an MSc degree in international accounting and financial management from the University of Glasgow. Uh, his career in banking uh, runs over uh, three decades, I think, both in uh, central banking, but also in commercial investment banking. He has worked for a number of important financial institutions, including Deloitte, the American Bank of Albania, Reifensen Bank, and Societe, Societe Generale in Albania. Uh, he is extremely experienced both in, in on both sides of, of, of banking, I think, and he has, over the last uh, five, six years, uh, weathered many, many uh, uh, troubles and crises that the region, as well as Europe at large, has um, have experienced. Now, to discuss the presentation and the points that uh, the governor will raise, we have with us two excellent uh, colleagues with uh, extensive experience both on policy and uh, on the underpinning economics uh, of this. Let me start uh, first from our uh, second uh, discussant, uh, my good colleague, Piroz Kanadzi Mohaxi, um, who is a visiting professor in practice here at the LSE at the Feroz Lyle Institute for, for Africa and, and is partner at the Macroeconomic Advisory uh, group. Piroska was uh, program director at LSE's uh, Institute of Global Affairs between 2015 and just very recently, 2021. Uh, and before that, she was director for policy at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, while she has also held uh, various senior positions at the International Monetary Fund. Uh, uh, chronologically, our first discussant, uh, but here presented second, is a, a, a very good colleague, Professor Ricardo Reis, a distinguished professor here at the LSE, who holds the A.W. Phillips uh, Professorship of Economics uh, here at the LSE, and he's also director of the ESRC Center of Macroeconomics for the, for the UK. Ricardo has a, a very distinctive uh, career and contributions in both macroeconomics and, uh, and finance, including, among many others, 
uh, his work on the Phillips curve uh, and the sticky information Phillips curve, but also what uh, uh, became to be known as heterogeneous uh, AIDS and new Keynesian uh, models. Uh, as I said, among many other things, of course, he's written very widely and, and influenced uh, policy also in relation to quantitative easing, the diabolic loop uh, of, of sovereign uh, debt held by uh, commercial institutions and, and so forth. Before coming to LSE, Professor Reyes was uh, assistant professor at Princeton University and then full professor at the university, at Columbia University. Uh, he, besides his academic work, he's done a lot of policy work, including as consultant at the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve System. Now, before I pass the, plo the, the floor to the governor, let me do uh, some housekeeping uh, announcements. Uh, for those uh, who use Twitter in the audience, the hashtag for today's event is LSE post-COVID, one word, LSE post-COVID. And I should announce that the, the event uh, is being recorded and it will hopefully be made available as a podcast uh, subject to not having any technical uh, difficulties, uh, hopefully. <clears throat> as usual, there will be the chance for you to put your questions at the end of the presentations and the discussion. To submit your questions, you can do that also in advance. You don't have to wait until the end. Please use the, the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, uh, and I will try to collect uh, the questions and pose as many of, the, of them as I can uh, to the speakers. For those of you watching the event live on, the, uh, on Facebook, please uh, add your questions as comments, and then they will be picked up and communicated to me for me to pass them on. Uh, to the speaker. So looking very uh, much forward to this uh, discussion about the, the central bank policies, both in response to COVID, but also prospectively, hopefully post-COVID. Um, so on this note, uh, uh, Governor, let me welcome you and pass the floor to you to give us your presentation. Governor, you're muted. If you can unmute your microphone. Okay. Do you hear me now? Yes, I guess. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman, Professor Manasiriotis, dear Piroshka, dear Professor Reis, uh, ladies and gentlemen, whoever is listening. For me, it's a special pleasure to address to this esteemed audience uh, in this event focused for the planning for the post-COVID world, central bank policies in emerging economies. To discuss on the policy toolkit we have adopted, our implementation strategy and our results. Basically, we have gone through several crises. Now we'll be focused more in the pandemic crisis and its implications. At the turn of 2020, central bankers were discussing about policy normalization, as a matter of fact, the future of monetary policy toolkit and other policy challenges. And then suddenly the COVID-19 pandemic arrived and it took us all by surprise. Apart from uh, being the worst health crisis many of us have seen in our lifetimes, it also turned into the most serious economic and policy challenge in the recent history, actually, this crisis. For the Southeastern European region, the economic crisis induced by the COVID-19 pandemic constitute the third such crisis in about 15 years. As the pandemic was unfolding, we all intervened intervened early on with a combined on fiscal, monetary, and macroprudential policies. 
with the aim of limiting macroeconomic, macroeconomical volatility, supporting our economies, reducing the effect of restrictions and trying to safeguard financial stability in our countries. I believe we have been relatively successful in mitigating the impact of the crisis and in pre preserving monetary and financial stability in the country. Therefore, we have a solid basis, basis now for the future growth. In my speech today, I will attempt to describe the nature of policy design and implementation, the policy effectiveness, and draw the necessary lessons at the end. I will ultimately argue that we were more successful this time. The structural policy agenda we pursued after the global financial crisis ensured that we had reduced structural vulnerabilities and weaknesses in our economical and financial market. Furthermore, we had opened enough policy space to allow us to intervene forcefully and in timely manner during COVID-19 crisis with a full set of counter-cyclical policies to support our economies. On top of this, we operated in a very supportive external environment that introduced positive spillovers to the impact of our policy response and helped us throughout. In the lecture today, as it is shown into the agenda, I will briefly discuss the experience of, experience of Southeastern European region with the past three crises. Global financial crisis of the year 2008 and after the European sovereign debt crisis 2010 and 2012, already the peak, and the COVID-19 pandemic crisis. Thereafter, I will focus on the real economy impact of the COVID-19 crisis in Albania and then share with you the outlook of the future. I will then talk about three elements which will define our economic outlook after this latest crisis. I will discuss the structural reforms we undertook in the past, our policy response during the COVID-19 crisis, and the importance of external policy coordination. Finally, I will discuss some key takeaways from my lecture and address the challenges, challenges laying ahead for all of us. The Southern Eastern Europeans, as I mentioned, suffered three major, three major crises. The global financial crisis of 2008 and 2008 Nine, expose the limits for the, of the domestic demand-driven, debt-fueled growth model. It resulted in high MPLs, high public debt, and high financial volatility. As a result of this crisis, specifically in Albania, MPLs after the crisis a few years went to the highest level, at the level of 25% of total loan outstanding. The European sovereign debt crisis of 2010 and 2012 yielded a second round on deliverables across the southeastern Europeans, causing additional losses in GDP and employment. Talking about my country in Albania, uh, GDP after the crisis dropped rapidly year by year. We were in a very successful GDP growth before, the two, uh, before this crisis. The GDP raised at the level of 8% growth, yearly growth, and then we went in when it dropped 
after the crisis at the level of 1%. So there were needed several structural reforms done by all public actors, government of Albania, Bank of Albania, and public authorities to recover and go back to the growth. The COVID-19 pandemic was probably the most severe crisis we have faced. However, the post-crisis the Southeastern European prospects appear to be better. This crisis, the COVID-19, shook us much hardly, especially last year compared to other crises, but apparently, as I will explain later in this presentation, it was overcome more successfully, and so far it seems to have uh, uh, fewer, fewer damages than previous crises. However, implications will be seen in the future, but so far we are recovering most of economic situation of the COVID-19 crisis, despite that many challenges are lying ahead, and we'll talk about in other slides. The, pandit, the pandemic was a public health as well as economic and financial crisis. This is, uh, this is a statement that uh, put all of us, all public authorities, in a big dilemma during the pandemic crisis. Governments, public authorities face this dilemma on where to focus more, what was more important, paying attention and focus on the public health measures or in the economic and financial crisis. The more uh, public authorities had to take care of the health, the more they have to restrict the life and put the lockdown and other restrictive criteria, which will negatively impact the economy and then implications will be in social life and other aspects of economy. But leaving no restrictions, we'll have the number of deaths higher and then the situation was everywhere very unclear. So that created a lot of stress to all the regulators. The COVID-19 pandemic caught policymakers everywhere by surprise. We were not prepared, never thought, unless the latest crisis, pandemic crisis, was 100 years ago, so it was already forgotten by the regulations. regulators. We have seen other financial crises, but not this time. The pandemic induced a high uncertainty and forced governments to impose severe lockdown measures. Any country had a lockdown measures. In Albania, we had a full quarter lockdown that was a situation of a war, but invisible war. Everybody was locked down at home and nobody going at work. From an economic point of view, it was a simultaneous demand and supply crisis, and it resulted in a significant drop in demand and production, causing severe financial stress among businesses and families. We can see on the graphs the trend of GDP growth, employment growth, and trade flows during this crisis. Albania's experience with pandemic was typical for Southeastern European region, which means that what we suffered and went through in Albania, it happened in all the region. In Albania, the pandemic induced a broad-based fall in GDP. The GDP dropped. We were prepared for a growth, a better growth, after what I mentioned, after the negative impacts of the previous crisis, 2008 and 2010 crisis, that the GDP dropped at the level of 1%, the structural reforms and the force undertaken by governments of our countries and in Albania as well, uh, is started to increase the GDP at the level of 4% in the year 2018-19, and we planned 
to have a further growth, but immediately we face this crisis. And the last year drop in GDP, the recession of last year, it was resulted at the level of 4%. We planned in the beginning of the crisis to have much worse situation, to have probably from 12 to 15% GDP drop, but it resulted as we were better prepared to face this crisis. Le learning the lesson of previous crisis, the GDP drop was at the level of 4%. In particular, households consumption and the goods and services exports decreased subtly. In the presence of reduced demand and business turnover volumes, unemployment increased. That was one of the most <coughs> concerning factor and element of this crisis, unemployment. That created a lot of trouble for the governments as well. The graph shows the unemployment trend on the GDP decomposition. The pandemic had immediate financial impact. The drop in sales and turnover resulted in deteriorated balance sheets across the economy. In summary, the financial bill of the crisis has to be shared among the private, the financial, and the public sector. What was the very specific of the crisis that we faced in Albania? And I believe, I am also informed from my colleagues in other countries that they faced the same challenge and difficulty it was a big debate and a big stress created in the beginning of the crisis between different groups of interests. Business associations were claiming the government for a higher compensation or a higher participation and support to compensate their losses from this crisis. Government on their side were very much concerned about the budget situation, how much money they have and what measure they should take in order to compensate, in order to manage as much possible successful the health situation and on the other side, to protect as much as possible the economic deterioration, to prevent as much as possible deterioration in the economy. On the other side, the central banks, we as a central bank, within our legal mandate, was very much concerned about any financial crisis, about the price stability and financial stability. The main concern in the very beginning, it was the financial stability. If we were able to avoid any financial distress in the banking sector, in the financial sector, from what we have seen previously, financial crises were implicated with liquidity withdrawals due to the panic of the population. And we fear and we took immediate measures to avoid that, first of all, in order to give confidence enough to customers and people that nothing will happen or we're well prepared to prevent any financial crisis or bankruptcy in the financial sector. And then price stability definitely is very important because, because it is objective number one for central banks. We have a free floating exchange rate and we wanted to avoid any depreciation in the local currency. Immediately in the beginning of the crisis, we faced a very fast depreciation in the local currency. Our local currency started to depreciate it, but we intervened as a central bank and we stopped that. It was, it was appropriately measured. The primary challenge to policymakers was to find the appropriate solution to this equation. Policy challenges, as I mentioned, we were in these dilemmas, how to deal with unprecedented crisis, which organized outside the economy and financial system, how to calibrate an effective policy response in order to mitigate the short and avoid the negative long-term long 
impactful economy, avoid large-scale business bankruptcies and minimize job layoffs, preserve overall macroeconomic and financial stability, as I mentioned, and how to deal with operational changes of the pandemic. There was a good coordination, now I can say, between the government of Albania, Bank of Albania, and it resulted successfully in facing the crisis. But last year, we were a bit, a bit in the middle of a mess, but everything was coordinated and in work successfully so far. Albania appears to have wielded reasonably well the crisis. Despite the magnitude of the crisis, we have preserved monetary and financial stability, as evidenced by low inflation and stable exchange rate. Surprisingly, the exchange rate has been very stable, and uh, this is a very specific of this crisis. In a country which have a free-floating foreign exchange rate regime, to have a such, such stable exchange rate is really a very, very positive indicator. Of course, we, inter we have intervened. We have intervened only once, actually. The rate was stable due to other measures and consequence, or consequence of other uh, financial reforms implications, because we intervened only one, but luckily we didn't have the pressure of the depreciation of our local currency during this crisis. And in terms of financial stability, it resulted that during this crisis, uh, ba banks and financial system balance sheets uh, resulted to be even stronger after the crisis. This is also another very positive indicator, a very positive sign, which shows that we have, uh, we have learned lessons from previous crises, that you know, these aspects were much harder and deteriorated much more than pandemic crisis. The timely policy response alleviated some of the burden to private sector, as evidenced by the positive MPL trajectory. Even non-performing loans, uh, debt portfolios that we had inherited uh, did not, did not uh, deteriorate too much from this crisis. So the trend of MPLs, we plan to see uh, another increase in MPL, which did not happen. The crisis proved that our action plan, our measures, our reforms taken in advance in MPLs that I will talk a bit later, resulted successfully. The resilient financial sector provided an uninterrupted flow of credit to the economy. Loans to the economy continued during, during the crisis as well. And overall, Albania managed to preserve macroeconomic stability and avoid large sales bankruptcies. Continue with interim results in Albania. Our future growth prospects remains positive despite the remaining challenges. The economic recovery appears to be solid, encouraged by a stable monetary and financial environment, as I mentioned before. Relatively low scars to the private sector with low bankruptcies and solid balance sheets, and the broad based recovery in the aggregate demand. However, challenges remain in front of us. The recent, the recent spike in commodity crisis raises the prospect of procyclical policy tightening. All world and us, especially in Europe, we're facing now the crisis, pricing, energy pricing. Now we're in the middle of that. Actually, this is what we're imagining these days and trying to adapt our monetary policy response. We'll see 
still it's early to intervene to change the course of monetary policy, but we're seriously thinking and seeing and we're analyzing. The public and private sector balance sheets need to be fully recovered. And the long-term impact of the pandemic is uncertain. How did we succeed? I said good words. I said that we have had successes. And how did we succeed? We undertook comprehensive structural reforms, reduced vulnerabilities, increased resilience, and expanded quality space. Basically, there were, take, we were undertaken a lot of measures. There were effective local policy response, timely and forceful, and comprehensive and coordinated. Specifically last year, as I said, there were uh, uh, coordinated efforts between the government of Albania and the Bank of Albania. Government of Albania took measures towards the fiscal policy and, and Bank of Albania towards the monetary policy. We decreased the interest rate in the lowest historical base rate in order to incentivize to further push the economy, consumptions and lending to the economy. And on the other side, the government went out of the debt limitation, increased the debt, reduced the money to compensate people and businesses to overcome the negative shocks of the crisis. Sovereign guarantee packages were prepared to help the employees and the businesses. So there were two large packages offered by the government of Albania to businesses and employees. And basically these packages were made effective through the banking sector. So basically the government issued the sovereign guarantee to the banking sector to support the individuals and the businesses and that worked because in the beginning we were not sure if the schema will work, but the schema worked. 50% and more than 50% of this outstanding of the schemas were useful. Coordinated global policy response, avoided negative external, external, externalities, lowers, and provided funds and insurance to the Southeastern European region. There were also coordinated actions, internationally speaking, central banks with central banks, governments with governments, and with international institutions. Structural vulnerabilities, what we faced and what were our vulnerabilities, but global financial crisis, and then uh, European sovereign debt crisis exposed inherent, inherent structural vulnerabilities, which limited the scope of our policy response and policy space. What are our limitations? First of all, we have a high level of theorization, which impair the transmission mechanism and hamper financial stability. The high level of euroization limits the transmission of, monetary, of our monetary policy since 50% of the financial, financial uh, balance sheets of the banking and financial sector are in euro and also in the real economy we have a high level of euroization. So this creates trouble not only to transmission of monetary policy but a huge risk to the financial stability of the country because one-fourth of the top of loan outstanding portfolio, it's uh, it's unhedged, which means that it's in euro with clients that are generating incomes in local currency. There is also a weak credit environment. There was a weak credit environment and market bottlenecks that impeded credit growth and made it less responsive to the economic conditions. Banking sector concentration and efficiency versus stability dilemma. 
as well, that was another issue. Financial sector regulation and supervision was crucial for avoiding financial imbalances, risks, and better institutional coordination of economic and financial policies. I will go one by one to address to all these vulnerabilities. In terms of durization, the graph shown the progress in terms of after our durization strategy. We, uh, considering the high level of durization of the country, we were forced to address locally a durization policy that were done also in consultancy with the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. But however, Albania adopted a comprehensive durization strategy that aimed to promote financial stability and increase the effectiveness effectivity of the monetary policy, it did not aim to avoid the usage of euro altogether, but to reduce risks and promote efficiency across the economy. It involved various stakeholders, such as the Bank of Albania, Ministry of Finance, Albanian Financial Supervisory Agency. We all did a memorandum of understanding, a principal agreement that how to adopt this realization strategy. With uh, Respect, reflect, uh, with respect to lending, the Eurasian strategy has worked, posit has worked uh, positively. We can see it in the graph. What we did on the central bank, our actions, was that we introduced differentiation in reserve requirements for lack and for exchange, euro money, denomination deposits, increased transparency requirements for foreign exchange lending, trying to make more aware the customers, what are the risks of taking the loan in a foreign currency when you generate incomes in another currency, and to correction action to reduce lending on unhashed borrowers. So that was about the euroization, the euroization strategy undertook by the Bank of Albania and Government of Albania. With regard to credit environment, uh, I mentioned already that we have a non-performing loan environment. Uh, NPLs undermine the capitalization of the banking sector, reduce its financial intermediation, and impose higher credit risk on performing clients. So high NPLs in the past are indicative of an inefficient legal and regulatory environment. We took this very seriously, Piroshka knows, because uh, we have been working also together in the Vienna initiative to address this, but actually that was one of the main challenges I faced six years ago, six and a half years ago, when I undertook my mandate. MPLs were, were at the level of 25%, and by not addressing, in case of further increasing, we will have a huge risk and jeopardize the entire banking system. Basically, an action plan was approved, were prepared seriously under the technical assistance of International Monetary Fund, but also with our internal experts, agreed with the government. Both parties, government of Albania and Bank of Albania, were involved. And then the plan was improving the legal environment, improving the regulatory environment, and improving the credit, credit support infrastructure. The graph shows that after the plan, during the years, how the NPL has evolved. Now we're at the lowest level of NPL compared to previous time. It's below 7%, despite the negative impacts of the pandemic crisis. We came from 25% to 6.9%. In case that we will not have the negative shock of pandemic crisis, we could have had uh, even a lower NPL ratio, probably 5 or 4%, but still we're in the right direction and going going fine. 
Banking sector consolidation was another challenge. Uh, in tighter EU banking sector regulation induced the rapid delivery process of EU headquarter banks. Basically, on one side, we, we had a, a number of banks. Research shown that for Albania economy and territory and number of population, the number of banks were relatively high. We also have 16 banks. On the other side, we faced the situation that several banks, European Union uh, origin banks, have, have had exit strategies after the global financial crisis. Banks like uh, General Societe General, uh, French banks in general, and Greek banks, without mentioning the name, they all had exit strategy and they all left Albania. And basically, we faced the challenge. On one side, we had to consolidate the banking sector, and on the other side, we had to consolidate and maintain the health and quality of the banking sector. So currently, the banking sector is composed by 12 banks, so four banks less, and the uh, quantity of local domestic uh, shareholders increased in the banking sector, and it shows that after passing or going all this process, the indicators of the banking sector, banks are uh, over liquid, balance sheets are increasing, MPL is decreasing, and they have uh, improving the capital adequacy ratio. The regulatory capital and adequacy ratio is well above the limit ratio required by the central bank. Financial sector regulation and supervision, it was another vulnerability. The internal financial sector regulation and supervision was considerably strengthened. There were certain number of measures as are listed in this slide undertook from us in order to strengthen the situation. So I go one by one, the establishment of the financial stability group as an overall macro prudential policy coordinator. We agreed Ministry of Finance, Central Bank of the country, Albanian Financial Supervisory Agency and the deposit insurance agency of the country together. They co we coordinate the plan. We gather, meet every quarter and report and exchange. And then we, we follow up and take a coordinated decision-taking process in order to harmonize our policies and all the movements, different movements that each institution is doing. The adoption of risk-based supervision and acceleration of efforts to implement Basel II, Basel III standards across the banking sector. This is a huge work which is under, undertaken and is undergoing through the banking supervision, but also Department and Financial Stability Department, mostly within the central bank. Aligning the bank regulatory framework to European central banking standards in order to reduce different risks in consideration between home host countries and increased international cooperation. A lot of work is being done under the ECB supervision and coordination. The adoption of the Bank Resolution Law and Bank Resolution Fund with Bank of Albania task as the best resolution authority. This is a new law that we have approved and we have uh, established, created a new resolution department that now is under the Bank of Albania authority as it is a new authority and the new law it is under my coverage for the time being, but uh, the perspective is that it will be an independent institution. So we are just establishing and setting up the resolution authority, and then after some times, this authority will be independent. The adoption of a new law on Albanian financial supervisory authority, greatly increasing its scope, and the upgrade of the deposit insurance agency with the 
establishment of ABRD credit lines improving their liquidity position. Basically, Deposit Insurance Agency in Albania is established 16 or 18 years ago. Thanks God, we did not, uh, we did not have any bankruptcy to consume the funding for, from them. The banks contribute and year by year, they are increasing their fund. The more time it goes, the strength, the stronger they are, and the more money they create, the more the funding, the more the fund is growing. So far, these are some actions to uh, strengthen and enforce the safety nets in the country, and it helps all the regulators to face more successfully the pandemic crisis compared to two previous crises that the country and the region faced. In terms of monetary policy. Counter-cyclical monetary policy, what we have did. The Bank of Albania have made, have made uh, full use of available, space, of available space for monetary accommodation. We, in years, we lowered the interest rate because we followed the accommodatory monetary policy in order to incentivize economy, investment, consumptions, and lending to the economy. And during the crisis, we further... Uh, we further lowered the interest rate in the lowest historical best rate, and now we are at the level of 0.5%. We adopted the strategy of quantitatively unrestricted injections of liquidity. We are injecting unrestricted the market liquidity into the market during last year, and we continue with, with this section. We engaged in transparent forward guidance, emphasizing our commitment to provide the necessary support to the economy. The forward guidance, the appropriate information to the market from the central bank, is very important. Credibility of the institution and the right information delivered to the, to the public and to the market is another instrument that is helping. The Bank of Albania did not engage in unconventional monetary policy instruments, such as quantitative easing, we made contingency planning of their deployment. So we have stated through our forward guidance that we had uh, backup plans for quantitative easing and we were prepared for last year to, to do that, but it was not necessary. The crisis were managed only with these three above, above actions without the need of using quantitative easing in Albania. As well, it was as we are a developing country, the recommendation of international institutions were to be very careful and not use. However, in case of further deterioration, we could have used. In terms of macroprudential policies, what we did, <clears throat> targeted and provisional macroprudential easing aimed at improving the flow of credit to viable business facing temporary difficulties. Bank of Albania introduced a short-term moratorium on credit installments, benefiting about 50% of total business portfolio and 15% of households. Bank of Albania applied regulatory encouragement for targeted credit restructuring. So what we did, I mentioned at the beginning, is that uh, we did some regulatory amendments for, for helping banks or uh, <clears throat> orienting banks to do further restructuring for clients in difficulties from the crisis. And we took a decision in coordination with the government, but that was mainly decision of the central bank for postponing or putting a moratorium for client, for only for clients in difficulties to, to uh, postpone installments of loans for six months. So there were in three quarters, in two quarters. 
that helped a lot the situation. In the beginning, when we announced, it relaxed, relaxed the situation because clients of banking sector were scared that they will fail to pay the obligation towards the banking sector. So that relaxed them somehow. On the other side, with the help of the government through packages, they were able to compensate the losses and cover the unemployment employees. When ensuring the health of the banking sector in order to boost bank capital and support lending, uh, Bank of Albania suspended the distribution of dividends. Still, this measure is in power. We have suspended the distribution of dividends for all the banks until the crisis is over, and we will revise this by the end of this year. As well, Bank of Albania forfeited any charges of using or or our electronic settlement clearing and settlement systems. <clears throat> Since people were with restrictions and they were staying home, we were trying to incentivize more electronic payment systems to avoid face-to-face -face or going people to the branches. And basically, uh, by doing that, we decreased also the costs of the people, but incentivized, but incentivized banks to use more electronic payments, that cash payments or contacts through, the, through their networks. In terms of fiscal policy, on the other side, talking about the government of Albania, <coughs> sorry, fiscal policy engaged in counter-cyclical stimulus as well. Counter-cyclical fiscal policy, direct transfers, employment support schemes, targeted tax reliefs and fiscal transfers amounting about 1% of GDP, credit guarantee schemes, at 1.7% of GDP, the overall fiscal stimulus amounted about 3.5% of GDP. So these are the overall percentages of the fiscal stimulus in Albania, undertaken by the government of Albania. But as I said, there were packages and sovereign guarantees offered by the government of Albania to help businesses and individuals to overcome the crisis. And in the same time, uh, there were there were uh, an exception or going out the debt limits. We increased the debt. Each country increased the debt. The government was forced to increase the debt. So a new euro bond were undertaken, were taken by international markets and international monetary funds and other financial institutions landed and increased the debt to the government of Albania. The role of central banks and governments, the overall global policy environment was accommodative. The coordinated and strong global policy response sheltered the drop in global aggregate demand, avoided liquidity crunch in global financial markets and financial markets access to Southeastern European countries. I already talked about this in my previous slides. A more coordinated <coughs> policy response amongst Bank regulators, improved international coordination, helped avoid a banking sector deleverage as experienced during the global financial crisis and the European sovereign debt crisis. In, the, in terms of financial, financial sector, the previous crisis, the two previous crises, global financial crisis and debt crisis, created a lot of problems and consequences in years, while Differently in this crisis, we didn't, we haven't seen that. And I hope since we did not have a big impact, negative impact and deterioration so far, 
will have less deterioration or we are prepared, financial system is prepared and stress testing is proving that it can cope successfully what will happen in the future. So the more negative impact would have been shown this year. Differently, financial sector were better prepared and faced better the pandemic crisis compared to two previous crises. And Vienna Initiative is a forum have been instrumental in controlling financial outflows from the banking sector. So MPL is decreasing, already mentioned. Vienna Initiative was a coordination of efforts between all the countries, how to address and combine the efforts for a better financial stability and improving the lending environment in all the countries. The role of international bodies is, a very, it is very important in overcoming this crisis and it has been crucial, definitely very crucial, not only in technical assistance and consultancy, but also financially speaking, by helping the country financially and lending directly to governments. The international bodies have delivered timely policy advice and essential funding to the region immediate and upfront financial support from international financial institutions and European Union institutions to help contain aid in risk premium and support financial uh, the fiscal stimulus, financing the fiscal, the fiscal stimulus. Support instruments included the IMF, International Monetary Fund, rapid financing instrument in the very first days of the crisis, the National Monetary Fund issue a rapid financer, financing instrument of 190 million euros into the country. Then there were another funding raised, but that very first help created confidence in the financial, in the local financial markets into the country. The European Commission macrofinancial assistance package to team enlargement and neighboring partners, as well European, European commissions helped a lot. And as well, a ripple line agreement set up by the European Central Bank with Bank of Albania to provide euro liquidity it was a ripple line agreement of 400 million euro that was offered by the European Central Bank. So from international bodies and international institutions, there were a lot of help to Albania, but same as Albania to all countries of the region. Lesson learned. Of course, crisis cannot entirely be avoided or foreseen. We all know this is known. Hence, we always need to be prepared. Structural reforms should continue in order to mitigate potential vulnerabilities. Many structural reforms undertook previously that I mentioned during my presentation were undertook learning the lesson of previous crises, of global financial crisis and sovereign debt crisis, help to better face the pandemic crisis and easily, easily overcome, more easier overcoming the pandemic crisis. Policy space has to be preserved, rebuilt, and external policy coordination is crucial to avoid negative spillovers. A very important that is not recent on this list, but I would mention in terms of coordination to overcome this crisis is the coordination between the governments and central banks of the countries. Without uh, without a good coordination between these two bodies, government and central banks, the crisis cannot be overcome. Specifically, the financial crisis has certain measures, certain reforms that should be coordinated. Starting from fiscal policy and monetary policy that definitely should be coordinated, but many actions that derive from implementation of these policies should be done in coordination. 
The better is coordination, the more is the effect into the economy and the easier the crisis will be overcome. If or when the crisis can come, policy response needs to be timely and comprehensive. So these are the lessons that we learn from this crisis. Remaining challenges, of course, the crisis is not yet overcome. Maybe it sounds some positivity during my presentation in terms of overcoming the crisis that we are happy that we were prepared to face worse than we faced. Actually, we faced a better situation and now we feel more confident, which is good, despite the fact that we're facing the crisis crisis or some prices negative shocks into the economy that we'll see because still we are in the beginning of how we will mitigate. However, the crisis is not over. So the remaining challenges are dealing with the recent supply side shocks on global commodity prices. This is what we're doing. We'll see. We'll see. On our side, as a central bank, we might, uh, we might change the course of monetary policy, but still we're early. We might need more, some more time. We'll see the effect in inflation, the prices affect energy prices, gas prices, effect into the inflation. We had forecasted that uh, this will be temporary. In any case, this crisis will be temporary. It is to be seen, but the monetary policy reaction will be seen carefully. It is needed to be tightening earlier the monetary policy that we had forecasted or not. So policy normalization is a challenge in this aspect. That is our direct challenge as a central bank. And on the other side, as well as assessing the potential structural, structural impacts on the economy. We are always calling for the structural reform agenda. Basically, this is to be done from all actors and all, and all public authorities. Number one is the government of the country, of course, but Bank of Albania has its own structural reforms. We are working in the structural reform agenda ongoing crisis always implicates the situation and gives other uh, gives other lessons that some reform agenda should be modified but however it is very important to undertake and continue with structural reforms structural appropriate and appropriate structural reforms helps always any government and all public authorities to easier overcome the negative impacts of the crisis so Thank you very much for your attention. That was the type, what I could say uh, from facing the pandemic 19 crisis in Albania, actions undertaken and the situation we have faced and where we are and what lesson we learned. This is definitely a perspective of the central bank. I talk as a central banker. There are many other aspects that could be seen from the governmental side or from other sides, but this is seen from the central bank point of view. Professor, and, yeah. uh, uh, Governor, uh, Dr. Seiko, thank you very much for the presentation. That was a very comprehensive uh, presentation. Indeed, you touched upon many issues, not only on the, uh, as you said just now, on the uh, kind of monetary policy perspective, but also the link with fiscal policy, uh, how coordinated the policies uh, were, both at the domestic level and at the international level, accommodating policies also from the Federal Reserve, uh, of course, and U.S. fiscal policy. And I'll come to that, uh, as well as ECB uh, 
uh, accommodating uh, monetary uh, policy. You also uh, highlight a number of regulatory reforms, regulatory strengthening that has happened both good, uh, through the good coordination, as you mentioned, with the government in Albania, but also through the let's say, good guidance and, and, and support of European and international uh, institutions. So, we, you know, this opens up to a number of issues. And of course, we haven't mentioned um, structural uh, changes and labor market effects of the COVID pandemic and how this may affect the, the, the structure of the, uh, of the economy. So many things to pick up uh, on and many things to discuss. But I just want to mention uh, two things be- besides the, the global commodity prices, uh, the instability that may be created with the uh, problems that countries like the UK face uh, with the difficulties after uh, Brexit with managing this kind of global um, upswing on, on commodity prices, uh, but also the US uh, maybe fiscal cliff that we don't know where it's going to uh, end uh, with the current debates in the US. So in a way, also how the systemic and the global, um, uh, sort of if you want, uh, monetary environment may affect the ability of emerging economies to uh, to continue doing well and to be able to weather uh, crises uh, as well uh, as uh, Albania seems to have done in, in very recent times. So I hope this work has prompts that are relevant for our first discussion, Professor Ricardo Reis. Uh, Ricardo, the floor is over to you. Thank you very much. So it was a pleasure to listen to Governor Sesco describing or providing a really very thorough and accurate description of the policies that Albania faced. Albania's problems in the last 12, 18 months were in many ways shared with many other emerging market economies, developed economies, and, and, uh, and in between, insofar as the pandemic was truly a global crisis that affected all in somewhat similar ways. And at the same time, while countries share the overall policy package, let's say, in terms of the principles used, informed by um, uh, academic and economic theory and a bit of all, uh, they did differ in some of the applications of those principles. And it is uh, it was a great illustration of Governor Cesco describing exactly the trade-offs in choosing some of the points of that package, as well as uh, the options followed, which seem to have worked in, uh, in Albania. And it is important to start by noting that that just 15 months ago, uh, it looked like things could have gone really, really badly. Uh, and again, not just for Albania, but including Albania. Um, and so there is, a cert- there is an element of congratulations or congratulatory tone that one should have in this panel insofar as uh, we did seem to avoid quite of a cliff. Moreover, now I'm going to separate my comments into two very separate halves in these, even without taking more than five minutes, which is both congratulating um, the success and the challenges that happened in the last 12 to 18 months. But then in the second part, talking about the new challenges for I'm, I'm a sad economist who always sees a glass hem- half empty when he sees one glass half full and talk about some of the new challenges looking forward. Looking back, the recovery in Albania as well as in other countries was indeed very swift uh, it is quite remarkable how swift GDP, employment, and other indicators have recovered. And again, with, with again the note that that was not in any way clear that that would happen, have happened 12, 18 months ago. But looking beyond just that economic performance, if one looks at financial stability, the fact that Albanian banks, with the problems that they had with non-performing loans from the past, with the problems from the external shock driven by the regulatory efforts in Europe, the fact that we through the actions, especially of the central bank, 
as well as regulators, we did not have any kind of liquidity problems, run problems. Um, it is quite striking that that would have happened. And I really want to say, emphasize to those in the audience that 15 months ago, I would not have bet that it would have been that way. I would have, if anything else, I would have bet it the, other, the opposite direction. And likewise, and very related, that um, there was no sudden stops, there were no capital flows. And for a small open economy like Albania, which depends on foreign financing and certainly foreign capital flows, um, it is quite striking that it didn't happen there, as well as it didn't in most of the Southern and Eastern European economies, that we didn't have those reversals. Recovery strong, no fan stability. Third, the fear was that policy would have done too little. Um, I think myself and many other economists uh, writing were very worried 15 months ago they would have been too shy in terms of supporting the economy, too, sh too small in terms of fiscal packages, too moderate and cautious in terms of uh, um, central bank and monetary policies, and that could have left long-living scars. I think it is not the case. Through coordination, as Governor Sesco mentioned, as well as through individual actions that every country had its individual challenges, we did have a quite robust response, sharing many common principles, and that was important. And finally, third, turning to, because we have here a central banker, we, it would be a sin not to talk about inflation. There was a very strong deflationary pressure 12 months ago, and the fact that there was a sharp bounce that bounced back up, that inflation expectations did not seem to become an anchor, that even rel 2009 we seem to seen much less of a movement in terms of uh, those relative prices during the pandemic, as well as expectations 2020, are all, I think, reasons for, as I said at the beginning, congratulations and success. But let me move, look forward and say to what, the extent to which looking at all four of these um, uh, dimensions, there are some reasons to be concerned looking in the future, and so I have to tell poor government Jekyll that I think he still has a bit of work to do ahead or, and through new challenges. The first one is that while the, recovery, the bounce back to recovery has been fast, it has been quite heterogeneous across different countries. Initially in takeoff, although it's been great news that the initial very fast takeoff in the United States nine months ago or in the UK economy has shown itself also in places like Albania, but it is the case that the vaccination rate in Albania is, I believe, around 30%. Just a week ago, I think, the Albania was at the a very peak in the number of cases and deaths. And this is, as the governor mentioned, above all, has been a health crisis um, and one that in Albania is still far from abating. Even as, if for one, is sitting in, I believe, Portugal is the leader now with 95% vaccination rates and nothing that looks like another wave and seems the, 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 the health emergency is being in the past, um, it is very important to note that one should still have very risky growth forecasts, especially as the pandemic is under control. And the heterogeneity across countries is really quite striking um, on that account. So that's the first one on the pace of the recovery and still a challenge uh, for us, especially as we get to the winter. Second, when one comes to the uh, financial stability, Governor Checo noted that NPLs have been going down in Albania. I think there was a source of concern that, of course, now in this recovery, we would see with the with the with debt moratoria ending, to what extent problems will arise now? I have been convinced, actually, by research in the recent past, and Governor Checo's um, pictures confirm seem to also go in that direction. That this may actually be less of a problem than what we may have thought, but it is still something something that, as a financial regulator and central bank, would be something I would be very worried about because so many of the measures the last twelve months could it very well have contributed to an LNPL problem being substituted over time and appearing now, even if it didn't appear in the last 12 months. 
related on the fast stability and capital flows. Here, um, the problem will be external insofar as short and the, the World Economic Outlook that the IMF released just, I believe, a week ago, um, I think really put the finger on it in a topic that is too much underexplored in the US and in the Eurozone is the extent to which policy reversals by the ECB, by the Fed, and partly also by the Bank of England could really pose a remarkable shock to um, the financial conditions and the global financial cycle affecting small open economies like the Albanian one. Um, if the Fed messes up, to, to be somewhat blunt, its transition now in terms of how it handles the, tra- the reversal of policy from more accommodative to more tighten in terms of how it has a transition towards perhaps raising interest rates uh, and reverting the pace of QE or even canceling altogether. Um, this could cause a very large shock to capital flows. Um, and in the same way that when exiting the global financial crisis in 2010, Governor Zhekov very well pointed that Albania went through two crises, one 2008 and 10, driven by the private financial crisis, but another one in 2010 and 12, driven by, in some ways, the response to that crisis leading to the sovereign debt crisis and the actions that the ECB and sovereign governments uh, in Europe, as well as the action of international organizations during that time. I do worry quite a bit that we will have a new shock in the next two years that has to do with the now less coordination of policy and certainly a reversal of that policy going on. Fourth, and turning to the policy doing it too little, one, one nice illustration and here, I think Albania really um, illustrates something well, which is Governor Sexo noted the um, fiscal policy package, 3.5% of GDP. Reminder, in the US or in the UK, we're talking about 20 to 30% of GDP. This is just... It's, it's easy to see that qualitatively the direction is the same, but the size of packages is gigantically different. Now, it turns out that in the next 12 months, it seems like the smaller Albanian package seems to have, in terms of the Albanian economy, have done actually some of the job that the uh, one in the richer Western countries does. And that does raise the question to what extent I said the risk of doing too little in the last 12 months, but there's also a risk of having done too much. And now worry and now causing problems in the debt in the next 12 and 24 months. Sometimes I think there's too much of an excessive optimism in the rich advanced economies. Um, we borrowed, it was fine, yes, but if there's an issue, it's going to be in the next two or three years. Um, I here I find very interesting the comparison to Albania and the extent to which fiscal problems may uh, the fiscal package was smaller, but that of course in turn reflects the fact that certainly the fiscal situation is. Um, uh, not a stable start with. And finally, with inflation, uh, that um, while um, uh, um, dominant currencies in international currencies like the dollar and the euro can debate whether we have a little bit of inflation and allow for inflation to be somewhat above target, that is a luxury that the Bank of Albania often does not have, insofar as it certainly does not have the, let's say, capital of credibility that those institutions had to start with, and must, much more importantly, Again, subject to capital flows, its currency is going to be more volatile and any fears of its commitment to inflation are going to be put much more to the question of the markets. So again, as a new shock, I think Governor Seshko, insofar as inflation becomes a concern in the euro area, in the US, that these concerns, even if the Bank of Albania does every, or uh, even if the Bank of Albania does not make the same mistakes even that those central banks do, the consequences of that really do reflect, I think, in Albania. So to conclude, um, it was very nice and very useful to see the review of what Albania did, to see that even if qualitatively it was similar, 
quantitatively very big differences, and yet they seem to have succeeded. Moving forward, I would add to the shocks that Governor Sesco mentioned, also the very big shocks from abroad, the fact that the health crisis may well continue hampering the recovery, the fact that the financial stability is not our heart. And therefore, I think, la- very last sentence, um, I, and Governor Sesco, since he started there as well, he's very, very well aware. It was easy in 2010 to say, we have made it past this crisis and to have missed and therefore made big mistakes between t- when hit by the 2010 and 12 crisis. Um, I think we are a turning point. Right now, it is still important to be vigilant and therefore to continue with, um, as he pointed, great vigilance, structural reforms and others, because the next 12 months may still be quite rocky, even if I hope that they will be rocky, but end in a good place. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Ricardo. Uh, very, very useful and uh... Uh, pointy uh, comments. I'm sure uh, the governor would like to pick up uh, some of, on some of them and, of course, uh, respond to, uh, to uh, directly some of the questions that uh, Ricardo put. But uh, let me pass the floor to uh, to Piroska uh, Nazik Mohavsky, who is going to also uh, uh, discuss on the presentation of, of the governor and also open up to, uh, uh, I believe, also a different set of uh, issues to some extent, and then we'll, we'll bring the discussion together. Can I remind the audience that they can still uh, type in the questions in the Q&A? We already have uh, some questions coming in, so feel free to type in your questions and we'll pick them up uh, in the Q&A part of the, of the event. Piroska, the floor to you. Thank you very much, Vasilis. Thank you, Mr. Governor, and thank you, Ricardo, uh, for, um, um, for me being able to, to um, um, complement with a few points, uh, your outstanding presentations. I'm joining uh, Ricardo in congratulating you, Mr. Governor and Albania, for managing so well with so little, so to speak. Um, I have three points to make. Um, number one is a little bit just stressing the point that both of you have, have already made, that we are in a completely new, different world in ter- for emerging markets. So this is the first time in, in modern economic history when emerging markets, smaller than, than the others, but maybe it's just as effectively as Ricardo said, that emerging markets have been able to mount a, a reasonably sizable um, um, counter-cyclical um, set of policies. Fiscal policies, uh, Albania 3.5% of GDP was mentioned, but also uh, monetary policy, uh, where this, the monetary policy and the macro potential policy, everything was geared up to, to, to have this counter-cyclical uh, crisis. And I like in the past, when it's always led to exchange rate depreciations, inflation rate pressures, this has not happened. So this is a very, very new world. And I, I'd like us to internalize a little bit this point and what it means. Um, behind this, the governor already described, but it was basically new tools, uh, including forward guidance, uh, some quantitative asset purchasing problems, not in Albania, but they were ready to deploy it. And the unprecedented coordination that you, you have seen between the central bank and the government almost every step of the way. And that is also, <laughs> I mean, in Albania, the coordination has been always good, uh, as, as, as I, I am very much aware, but it was also new. And this unprecedented coordination actually was also externally important in this, in this setting, uh, particularly, and I'd like just to stress again, the swap lines, the repo lines um, of which Albania benefited vis-a-vis the ECB 
You don't have to use it. It's enough to have it. Uh, and Albania, which is not in the Eurozone, yeah, still not yet even in the EU, it's in the you know, uh, antechamber, but not in the EU, was able um, to, to, um, to have this facility available. This is unique and amazing. So when we talk about coordination, external, you know, globalization, institutions not working, you know, we have to see what really had happened in the, has happened in the corridors. Now, why I'm pressing that, number two, because we need all these elements to look to what will be the new normal, right? Or I would say the new, new normal, because the new normal, and Ricardo was a, was a big proponent of setting the new normal after the 2008-2009 crisis. The new, new normal after the global crisis has to be resought, not only what is going on in advanced countries, but also what it all means for emerging economies, small emerging markets such as Albania. So that's my second point. Um, what we need uh, for, for, for emerging markets, and just to start thinking uh, about this, um, just as a kind of a, a footnote, of course, uh, the big central banks are thinking about that under the, you know, these guys or, or the, the umbrella of, of strategic reviews, most recently the ECB, they are thinking about, uh, they, they review their mandate and their, their toolkit. Ricardo himself uh, has been part of, a, I think, one of the best, you know, efforts uh, um, uh, on, 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 on paper on providing a shadow report to the ECB strategic review. This is uh, like a, a must read for, for, um, for, for all of us. Um, and it, going through what, what the new kit could, should look like, what the processes should, what the governance structure should look like. We need these similar reviews in emerging markets as well, um, because it's not happening. And I would argue, number three, that you know, the key elements of this new, new toolkit for emerging markets going forward and dealing with but the pressures that will be obvious, maybe I'm less worried that Ricardo for political economy is and how fast the reverses will, will be happening uh, even in the US um, because there is vested interest in having uh, you know, some overshooting in, in policy and the framework with the makeup of the, of the Fed is there to, to accommodate that. So I'm less concerned, but they, there will be pressures. Uh, there will be uh, pressures of, uh, and, and shocks coming from, from this reversal. So, um, as already Ricardo implied, as part of the new new toolkit for emerging markets, this type of you know currency swaps reports and overall coordination should be really maintained and would be part of the new normal, right? So it's not only a crisis management uh, tool. And why is it so important in Albania? Because although uh, the the number of domestic banks have increased, but global banks still dominate foreign banks uh, still dominate uh, the banking system. Two-thirds of the banking system are still, even after the concert, are still foreign or half of them from the EU. It is indispensable that, that global banks get, you know, their liquidity as is needed. And it's just natural, as actually Ricardo has argued very forcefully uh, way ahead of me, it's very natural for global banks um, that the home and the host central banks to have this type of arrangement to ensure the necessary liquidity needs of these global operations. And that's very relevant for Albania. The good news for Albania is that actually the ECB uh, is, 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 is quite proactive and really stepped up its game. 
chapeau down for, for Madame Lagarde and the team, how, how you know, um, uh, well they, they responded in their own monetary sphere interest of the, of, of the EU. So any new kit has to have some element of coordination, particularly as the reversal happens, number one. Number two, you know, the review of the mandate is very important and has to be a policy mixed mandate. Everything uh, emerging markets, central banks have done, just as in the advanced countries, has been really to step in step with the fiscal authorities. It doesn't make too much sense to look at, uh, you know, just one segment of the policy mix, mon uh, monetary policy and the central bank. Uh, it should be also uh, on, on, on the fiscal policy, uh, fiscal policy mix, monetary and fiscal authority uh, the overall review to, to have a, a full um, and, and, uh, and, and adequate picture of what's happening and how we should go forward. Um, Obviously, communications, the Central Bank of Abena, we didn't mention that much, the governor didn't. You've done a great job in that. I, and I know that you personally <laughs> devoted a huge amount of time of that, this explaining, and, 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 and that was also, you know, an important part. So this type of communication policy um, just to be maintained. Let me add just uh, for completeness, and I'm finishing with that, two more issues that I think even though Emerging markets might think uh, are smaller open economies. It's not really a my issue. You know, let's see what the big guys are doing, the girls, for that matter. Uh, and and, and we, we see that. But these things are coming. It has to be in the thinking of, of, of the new, new normal. Number one, central bank digital currencies. I know it's cutting edge. I, I know, but, and then not everywhere, but increasing central banks are looking at if we take the view of, of, of the BIS uh, head of the Innovation Hub, Benoit Curé, which personally I do, if we accept the view that central banks will not be able to deliver on their normal traditional mandate if they don't get into the digital currency game and competition, so to speak, um, then, also, then they will lose that. And they will lose out instruments, they will lose out uh, policy impact, etc., etc. There is not too much choice. It's not if, but when uh, that would happen. Luckily for the Bank of Albania, the ECB actually is very, uh, you know, um, enlightened in this because they see the digital euro, the, they, you know, plans and the, 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 everything is in motion and a consultation. With it. But they are, I think, as far as I know, the only central bank. Uh, the city is looking into digital uh, digitalization of the currency, which allows things of allowing non-residents to hold digital euro. That would have a direct impact for Albania where the use of the euro is, is so high. So that's good news. And finally, climate change. Uh, you know, this is also coming. This is a huge issue. How you do it in the framework? But what is, you know, is it, uh, you know, um, uh, power grab, et cetera, et cetera. No matter what happens, this is happening uh, already uh, by big central banks. The pressure is big. The issue is systemic. So looking into that, even for small open economies, uh, um, which are not in the front lead, obviously, of the whole climate debate, but, but a part of it um, is important. Uh, so I will stop here, congratulating again and the governor and, and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Piroska. Uh, governor, a very big range of issues uh, 
to address and we're uh, kind of running short uh, with time. So I will try to bring in some questions also from uh, the audience and then you can pick up on points that obviously Ricardo and, and Piroska uh, uh, raised. Uh, so one question uh, from the audience uh, from uh, Kunal Pawa, uh, if I can pronounce this correctly, is uh, more generally for all emerging economies, what are the structural vulnerabilities that continue to persist? And you mentioned, of course, the vulnerability specifically for the case of Albania, the MPLs, obviously Euroization, and of course, like regulatory uh, framework and, and so forth. What is the structural more broadly for the, for the bigger picture, emerging economies, especially in Southeast Europe? Um, but also to, to bring in a, a question that um, also Ricardo raised in one way or another, this policy reversal, policy reversal, uh, intentionally, uh, as the, as you, we go back to normality, so to speak, by the big economies, but also as a secondary effect in response to inflation. So if there's an inflation shock, which is more persistent, um, uh, how, how do you think that's going to affect the responses in the, uh, emerging economies? Of course, also in Albania. And in relation to that, there's also this question, uh, from the audience, uh, uh, in relation to sovereign debt being obviously accumulated as partly in response to the, uh, to the, as a response to the, to the COVID uh, pandemic and whether that has uh, a potential to lead to kind of more structurally or longer term to higher inflation rates. Perhaps that's a question that uh, Ricardo may also want to, to address whether, you know, from our economics, uh, what we understand about the relation between debt and, and inflation uh, more globally. But governor over the, the, the microphone to you to address some of these uh, issues. Thank you, Professor. Uh, well, inflation is our main concern for the moment. Inflation is really our main concern because of what is happening with prices, but and not only that it is our primary objective by law. I mean, uh, central bank primary objective is price stability, keeping inflation under control. And we have been, we have a certain target uh, for inflation, which is 3%, but it doesn't matter. The center, uh, the target of the inflation, we've been struggling hard, like all central banks, including uh, ECB all over the world, uh, under the deflationary situation in a low, very low inflation rate. All this period has been towards trying to increase the inflation in order to hit a bit the economy, incentivized lending and consumption and so on. But now we're facing immediately another situation due to the demand, offer and demand in terms of energy prices. Inflation is going faster in country in the other side. We, uh, in the time being, this is a risk. This is a huge risk because this inflation is increasing. There will be other implications for the economy. Definitely not only the prices will be increased for individuals and agents and business agents, but as well it might create implications in financial performance of entire financial system because some agents might not be able to respect contracts due to the price increase and then there will be a chain effect to all the other contractors and then to banks and so on but we'll see we'll see how will be addressed and what how will be evolved but this is seriously a risk and on the other side uh, it's a good point the question that it was raised as well about the debt first of all the debt is another element that is very high of course, uh, we were obliged to increase the debt to overcome the crisis because it was needed the money to have the packages by the government. But 
but that decreased the, the country ability and capability in terms of competitiveness and in terms of other shocks or flexibility for future crisis. And uh, it's not a, it's a big, it's a burden. It's, it's a trouble, troublemaker. And definitely we, we are calling as a central bank and working, but we're calling the government even publicly. They should immediately address that and go towards fiscal consolidation. We start reducing, have the concrete plans for reducing the debt. The debt as a whole is a big deal, but on the other side, even with the debt composition, there is an issue because, as I said, we have high level of euroization. So the debt, the foreign debt is another issue, not only the debt that is an issue itself, but the foreign debt is a big problem because in case of increasing inflation or deterioration in other elements in economy, we might have also a deterioration of, for, of local currency. We might have not only the inflation in prices, but also the valuation of foreign currency. And if in case that we are having a high level of debt, of foreign debt, then the government will fail to pay the obligation towards the international creditors, which are all in Europe, mostly in Europe, but it's IMF and other, other creditors. And this is a big trouble because the incomes of the governments generate incomes, tax administration, customs, and everything is in local currency. So this is a huge risk. And on the other side, this risk is also for the financial system, for the unhedged portfolio. So basically these two things, increasing inflation and the high debt are two main points and two main risks that we are addressing, but always presents to be aware presents a serious risk that we are facing and we might face in case of deterioration and, and changing the, the economic situation. And that's why we tried hard uh, with the derealization strategy, but still it's impossible because with the derealization strategy, we just can work for financial system reducing the euro exposure and decreasing the lack exposure. But in the real economy, we cannot work. Albania, the main trading partners are in Euro, Italy, Greece, and so on. There are huge Euro income in the country. FDIs, remittances, tourism comes in Albania, comes in Euro. So there are huge Euro inflow into the country, and the country is very much Euroized. So basically, this presents uh, serious risks for the country, and we are addressing that. We are, we are aware and we are addressing. This and is what I, it is. And can I? translate, I think, Ricardo's uh, points into a question. Um, would you be worried more about uh, exposure to MPLs once the kind of guarantees and the moratorium uh, are, are, are on that on are being removed? Or would you be worried more about uh, a transmission from big policy reversals in the Western, like in the US uh, uh, and, and the European Union, uh, how this is going to be transmitted into Albania? Is, is the the risk coming from within, MPLs and so forth, or from outside, uh, what used to be the, the conducive policy in the past, if, if there's a policy reversal? Governor, uh, which of the two would be more of a concern for the bank? I thought this for, it was for Ricardo. No, no, I was, I was saying that based on the points that Ricardo uh, okay. raised. Sorry, I didn't get you. So, but this, what is the more, you mean MPLs or the, what is the more, more uh, risky? Yeah, an external policy reversal and how it spills in, into Albania or the MPLs and the, the, the most actual domestic problems? For the time being, for the time being, I mean, uh, it could be that the external, the external transmission of external policies, this transmission of external policies, because in terms of 
MPL, well, MPL as well might be turned back into a big issue because any deterioration in economic situation will be definitely reflected to the deterioration of uh, private agents' balance sheets and indirectly or directly to the deterioration of uh, financial market balance sheets, banks and non-financial institutions, and still MPL. MPL was a headache as well, but for the time being, we are more concerned on the external policies, international effects, effects of international policies that might be transmitted. For example, we were unprepared, we were caught by surprise in terms of prices increase in energy. We did not forecast that. There were some, some increase in prices, some increase in inflation in other products, and we were prepared to change course of monetary policy, but not that fast. We thought it is for next year. So that was so fast and it could be deteriorated, could be accelerated very fast in the next coming days and months. That would create trouble for the government, first of all, to compensate, and for us as a central bank, second, how to react in terms of monetary policy. So in this environment, in the national environment, there are, uh, I mean, I fully agree with Professor Reyes that any crisis is never over after going after some years. I mean, in eight, nine months, 12 months, we might face some some implications that we didn't hold, like we didn't think about about the price increase so fast in energy, and it's reasonable and there is a logic, economical logic, because there is a huge demand after the crisis, and there is no enough capacity to respond to this demand unless prices went up, especially in eurozone, where there are limited resources in terms of energy. In state, the United States is different. So there might be international implications that are not our under our control, that we are not able to respond with our policies and mitigate. While for MPLs as well, it's, a big, it's an issue, but we went through this crisis and we might feel, compared to what you said, to international impacts, we might feel more confident because we have been working hard and we have some instruments and actions and there is some sort of risk control from banks that now are aware how to mean to manage this in terms of restructuring or selling portfolios or we can maneuver and play and we have some experience and some instruments but for international crisis we have no instruments if there is a huge inflation i mean of course so to say we some up and then we ask help or i don't know well we'll see any crisis uh, teach you, learn, you learn the lesson. But, but I think, the, as, as Pidoska mentioned, there is now some sort of the new, new normal includes also a lot of uh, institutional support from international institutions. And, and they, we're running really out of time. So if the uh, discussions would allow me, I want to address two other questions from the audience to, to the governor and then pass the floor to the two discussions for a, a final word uh, in few uh, seconds. It's, so a bit more personal, I guess, the, the, the next two questions that I will address to you. Uh, Governor, one is from Elona Bolano, who is from uh, BKT, from a commercial bank in, in Albania. Uh, congratulations for your policy and thanks for your talk. But the question, I guess, is what you would have done differently, given the knowledge that you have 15 months later, uh, what you have done differently? Would you have any different policy response if you know, knew 15 months ago what you know now? And uh, another question from um, your good friend, uh, I, I know Mario Bleher, uh, uh, who is uh, asking, uh, and again, with many compliments and congratulations on your, on your uh, uh, speech, that uh, in your service in the bank, the bank has been modernized uh, a lot. 
And you also mentioned in your presentation the, the, the regulatory steps, the structural reforms that have happened in the bank before the COVID crisis and during. Uh, so the question is how you, has your private sector experience uh, to what extent it has helped you in, in your work in that regard? So what would you have done differently and what is the contribution of your private sector experience to, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, two minutes, Governor, if possible. Yes, very, 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 very short. Well, I, I start from the number two, from Mario question, because it's easier to to respond compared to previous question. Well, it was in terms of my experience in private sector. It was very a real help actually, because many issues, many challenges, has been with relation to financial sector. Since the day one, like MPL, uh, lending the economy, I mean, many, many aspects as are related to the banking sector, banking consolidation, exit strategies of uh, European banks due to deleveraging policies imposed by the, by the ECB. Uh, all regulatory aspects to strengthen the, the safety nets of the country, uh, strengthening the banks. So there are many aspects which were also part of the presentation that uh, I had the real practical experience that I know to the point what it should be done. So by not knowing that, you spend some time and get into the mess, how to orient, or first of all, you have to understand and then how to react. By knowing that, it's easily because you know to the point exactly what is the weak point and how you can correct the weak point or how you can, uh, you can heal the, the wound, basically. So that helped me a lot. Not going into detail, I mean, I could tell my friend Mario that was a very helpful, actually, and uh, I have a why not seeing him, so I want to say hello and best regards to him if he's following me. While what I have, would, uh, what I would have been differently in the first question, I don't know, actually, we tried hard. Uh, I think we have done at maximum what we could have done, and uh, any action was thought seriously. We didn't have any limitation in terms of our policy. I mean, in terms of limitation with the government, I could say, could say many, many things in terms of like, but the debt have to be increased. I mean, of course, there is no other issues. I cannot say what I could have been doing differently because not only me, but the whole group of experts and colleagues, I mean, they are well experienced into the Bank of Albania and also colleagues from uh, Ministry of Finance. And we thought prudently, maybe it's, Early to say, we need probably some more time because for the time being, some uh, actions taken resulted effective and okay. I mean, since resulted effective, it's fine. Maybe later, after a couple, after six months or a year, we could we can revise the situation, reconsider and say what would have been done better. But for the time being, I cannot answer that. Well, this is what I can say. Okay, Governor, thank you very much uh, for your presentation, your comments, and the very, very many insights that you gave. We left uh, a number of issues open, and I promise on behalf of the LSC Research Unit on Southeast Europe to, to arrange other events that we will uh, revisit them, and hopefully we'll have also our panelists here to contribute uh, to that. Uh, so thanks also to the audience for the questions, the number of questions that we weren't able to uh, take, but we can continue these discussions in, in future uh, event. So um, on that occasion, I uh, want the audience to join me in thanking uh, 
notionally because you cannot voice your, your <laughs> upload, but uh, uh, to discussions Ricardo Reis and Piroz Kanagri Mohaski, and of course the governor of the Bank of Albania, Gen Seko. Thank you very much for your presentation and your insightful comments.